This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. Hello, Emmaus! Oh, wow, you responded. Thanks. Um, Just two quick announcements before we begin. Announcement number one is that the Lewis family just had their third baby, and Kelsey has sent on email with a meal train. So if you want to sign up to deliver them some meals, um, that'd be great, and that would really help bless the Lewis family. Then announcement number two is that we have an Advent guide to help us follow along with um, the Advent season, which was given to us by our liturgy team, also Tim Clarkin. And if you want to follow along with that, you can um, get it from the email that was sent out this past week, or you can find out more information about that at EmmausDenver.com. And our reading for today is from John 1, 1 through 18. And if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Emmaus, for all of you who are here at Sterling and online. Just want to welcome you. For those who don't know me, my name is Ben, one of the staff members here at Emmaus. Um, And also, Merry Christmas. (laughs) It is good to be with you today as we start this Christmas season together. And um, I just want to say all you humbugs out there should strap in because this is definitely a Christmas season in a Christmas series that we're in, and we're going to be in it for four weeks. And then after that, we're finishing Isaiah with a very Christmassy passage, so just prepare yourselves. You've been warned. But before we jump into the text today, I just want to take a moment to explain what Advent is. Um, I think that we have heard that tossed around a lot, and um, you know, especially if you've grown up in the church, you've heard that word, and you know that's associated with Christmas. Um, But I don't want to assume that anybody just knows where it comes from or where it is. Um, A good example would be, you know, I grew up thinking that Advent was just a fancy way of saying uh, that I got a piece of candy every day before Christmas on like a little Advent calendar. And my dad was a pastor, so I don't want to put it past anybody. (laughs) We might not know exactly the intentions behind that word. So let's just pretend we're hearing it for the first time. If you use the Advent guide this season... Shameless plug. You will see that uh, Tim Clarkin, who did a lot of work on that, 
Uh, he provided us with a super clear definition of Advent that I just wanted to share. He said, Advent comes from a Latin word meaning arrival or longing. Um, and I think today we get pretty caught up in, in Christmas and the nativity. Um, and that is, you know, a big part of what Christmas is, right? But um, traditionally, that was only a piece of the season. Because for centuries, the church globally understood Advent as a season and a period of waiting and longing. Not for Santa to break into your house to renew presents or for your grandma to get run over by a reindeer. Advent is really about longing for the return of Christ. If we look back at his birth, his first coming, his first arrival, because it is the inauguration of his life and his work, his ministry on earth, the life that would lead him to the cross. In Advent, we recognize that although Christ has accomplished our freedom from sin and death, there is a day when he will return to us again to fully end our suffering and our sin and redeem this fallen world. Traditionally, the church has reflected uh, during Advent, we like to traditionally think of the weeks of Advent as different themes, different fruits of what the incarnation brings us. And so we're focusing this year on the traditional themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. These, we can have these fruits as we anticipate the return of Christ. That's what Advent is about. Amen. Thank you, Gene. So that seems like a pretty great way to end a year like 2020, right? <laughs> we could all use a little more hope, peace, joy, and love at the end of a year like this. But how do we get that? How can we have hope, peace, joy, and love in between Christ's arrivals? We talk about 2020 being bad, but for being honest, for a lot of us, there could, be, could have been things in 2019 that weren't so great. And there's probably going to be things in 2021 that aren't going to be looking in our favor as well. We live in a fallen world. To experience suffering is to live. <laughs> it is the, our universal experience as people in a fallen world. So our goal then as a community this year during Advent is to lean into that longing. We want to focus on how Christ is able to provide us with hope, peace, joy, and love. We want to look to God for those things, the source of our hope, the source of our peace, of our joy, and our love. And we can't know his intentions if we don't know him. How can we know that he is our source for those things without knowing him? So the goal this morning and for this series is really simple. How can God be made known to us so that we can rely on him for our hope, peace, joy, and love? So I invite us as we reflect on God being made known. Um, I just want to start the sermon by praying before we jump into the text that God would reveal himself to us in this Advent season. Let's pray. Father, your word is true. God, we know that, that you tell us that we can rest in your promises because you do not fail us, that you have every intention to follow through on what you have set in motion. Um, God, I pray that that uh, would give us peace. God, I pray that 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 truth of that knowledge would call us to repentance, that it would call us to seek you. God, we want to know you. 
We desperately need you, your word, your truth, your gospel over our lives. Would you not hide your face from us any longer? God, we ask for these things in your name. Amen. So, if we need to know God's intentions for us, if we want to know where his source of hope, joy, and peace, and love comes from, his heart for us made known, then we need to look at where he has told us that he has given us these things in Scripture. And I want to give you a little spoiler where we're going today. Um, So I just want to share this outline with you in first slide. So we have a goal. We want to know God. If we can know God, we can know what he has for us, where our hope, our peace, and our joy come from in him. But we have a problem. We fail to know God. Try as we may, or try as little as we do, (laughs) we fail to know him. So we need a solution. And if you've been around Emmaus long enough, um, this probably isn't much of a spoiler, but it's Jesus. (laughs) Jesus makes God known. If that is true, we can have hope. We can have peace, joy, and love. Hope and Advent. Hope for more of those things. So this morning, I want to share with you how we get those things in Jesus. How does Jesus make God known? So, if you haven't already, turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So I want to try a little exercise that my gospel community is probably familiar with. Uh, Just by reading this text, not drawing from anywhere else, what do these verses say about who God is? If I had to guess, you'd probably say, you know, that he's at the beginning. Um, So I guess we could say that God predates creation. Maybe we could say that God was not alone. Um, You would say that There's something called the word with him, but also was him. Sounds like God exists as separate persons. Not going to get totally into that today. (laughs) It's another sermon. Um, But we could say that that's true. So if God is also this word, what is it saying about the word? What is it saying about God? It says all things were made through him, that he alone made creation possible. He holds the power of life. That is a pretty impressive resume. I don't have any of those things on mine. It's safe to say that we can know what we can know about God for sure is that he created everything and provided us with light, with life. That alone makes God worthy of our worship. That he is far superior, far more powerful, far more, more knowing than we are as humans. But that isn't necessarily enough to give us a picture of his involvement in creation. We don't want to be stuck with the idea that God just wound up the world like a clock and let it go. We want to know how, just how intimate God is with his creation because we need to know him. We need to know how he is the source of our hope and peace and joy and love. And we can't just know that just simply by knowing. 
that he created us. Now, if I allow us to zoom out, there are a couple of places that could shed some more light on this passage, and I want to focus on Genesis 1. I think this is a good place to start. So in Genesis 1, we find an account of how God created the world, where he started from the, you know, the seven days of creation. And in chapter 3, after he had done his work and called it good, chapter 3 tells us that God physically walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. They could look at him. They could touch him, have a face-to-face conversation with him, share a meal together from the garden. That should amaze us. God wasn't a bystander to his creation. He was a participant with it. He's more than your creator. He's your friend. It's pretty amazing. Look back at verse 4 of John 1. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. God was our light. What does that mean? Uh, God provided us with what we needed. He showed us how to live, how to use the life we were given. And he chose to do that in relationship. God wasn't far off, uninterested, unamused with us. He was intimately involved in relationship to his creation. That's amazing. I think deep down, every person, no matter what you believe, where you live, what you do, every person wants to know others and be known. I would argue that that is our deepest desire. And it's what drives a lot of our identities, the things that we wrap ourselves in. This desire for others to know us, to be intimately known by people. I know when Sarah and I first moved to Denver, um, that's probably the biggest thing we struggled with for at least nine months to a year, was just the, the feeling of not really being known by people, of, you know, from the past having really deep relationships and moving somewhere new where you don't know a lot of people. I think, you know, especially in a city like Denver, a lot of us have experienced that, that the transience of the city is... Um, coming and, and meeting fresh faces and, and building new relationships with the, that feeling of being known intimately by somebody. We all desire that. And I think God desires that for us. I would, I would say that Genesis 1 tells us that we were made in his image. We were created to know our creator and be known by him. That's why it is our deepest desire First sentence of Genesis 1, verse 26. So then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let us make. God himself was not alone. God exists in community. He knows what it is to be known and to know. That is his essence. The Father, perfectly known by the Spirit and Son. He is our light because he made himself known to us by bringing us into that community with him in the garden. We should want that, (laughs) to be in a relationship like that with the God who created us and called us good. This clearly is what he desired from the beginning. If we know he desires that relationship, that he is with us, that he wants to be with us, then that should give us hope in a year like 2020. 
So why is it so hard to do, to have hope, to be in right relationship, to know and be known? Look at verse five. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. First glance, that seems like a statement of hope. And it is, but there's something else here. What is the darkness the light shines into? I think the church is kind of on a trend of singing about victory and overcoming and everything being awesome, like the Lego movie. (laughs) Um, And Christmas is advertised as a season of sentimental bliss. You know, we have uh, small t- our big city girl moving to a small town, meeting the small town guy, and falling in love over the course of a week on Christmas Day. Um, I think we're all aware that that is not most people's reality, if anyone's. <laughs> if you're out there, please tell me so I can take the rights to your story. <laughs> I think we have established that our life, for the most part, is a life uh, in between sufferings, <laughs> whether that's your own suffering or seeing the people around you suffer. Christmas time is not necessarily a time of bliss, especially in 2020. So if we are to appreciate this light that shines in the darkness, we need to be aware of that darkness that's penetrating the part of Advent is looking back at the first coming of Jesus, the incarnation, we have to understand the whole picture. The nativity isn't an isolated event, but it is the culmination of every hope, every word, every action spoken, enacted by God for his people. But why? If we were given the light in the beginning, why is John making a big deal of it now? What happened in between? Look at what John says about the light. Verse six. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, that the world did not know him. What John is telling us here, I think is pretty telling. We do not recognize the light. We don't recognize life. Life with God has become foreign to us. But how did this happen? Why do we need prophets? Men like Isaiah, all the way to John the Baptist, to remind us of the light. If we knew the light from the beginning and he walked with us, how could we not recognize him when he comes now? Look at what happened back in the garden in Genesis. Looking at chapter three. Verse one says, Now the serpent was craftier than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, either shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. 
For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. It's no coincidence that John described God as being the life and light of men. So what is the problem with having the knowledge of good and evil or being like God? Why was that so bad? We took it in total deceit. We were already like God. We were made in his likeness. His image was stamped on us from the beginning. We were living in the presence of goodness itself. What need did we have for the knowledge of good and evil? We were deceived into thinking our relationship with God as it was, wasn't enough. The first sin. What is the fruit of this knowledge of good and evil that we possess? John Calvin makes the argument that even with our knowledge, we can't tell the difference between vice and virtue. Wouldn't you think that us possessing the knowledge of good and evil would help us to avoid evil? I think our suffering would say otherwise. The world around us says otherwise. 2020 says otherwise. We receive the knowledge of good and evil, not the ability to choose correctly between them. Therein lies our problem. Why we fail to know God. Why we fail to see the light. We have fallen out of perfect relationship with God, so much so that we no longer know him. We had unlimited access to life and light, and we traded them for death and deceit. Look at what John says about our reaction to the light. Back in John 1 and verse 10, he says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. We can stare good in the face, we wouldn't recognize it. It seems hard to feel hope when things look that hopeless. So how can we do it? How can we possibly be able to know God again? How can we possibly hope to see the light that is life to men? See past our sin and suffering during Advent to look to the one who will one day return to put an end to those things. Look at verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amen. Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There isn't a person here who's literally seen Jesus, although if you have, I'd love to hear that story. But here you are sitting at Sterling in this event space, or you're sitting at home on your couch. Why? Why would you come to sing songs to someone you've never met? I have been married for six years, and I still haven't written a song to Sarah. Uh, don't shame me on that. <laughs> but we have sung a song I wrote for Jesus at this church multiple times. You're listening to me teach from a book written by men who lived thousands of years ago, literally thousands of years ago. 
Why would you do that? If I had to guess, I would say it's because you believe, because you've been giving a faith outside of yourself. Or at least you want to believe. We can receive the light if we believe, if we have faith. But how? It's the question. What makes it possible for us to hope in this adoption to become children of God, to be in right relationship with him again? Simply by faith, to receive him, to believe in him. What are we putting our faith in? How can we no longer fail to know God? Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Sounds familiar, right? The word was at the beginning. The word is God. God walked with them in the cool of the morning. Remember my spoiler? Here it is. Jesus is the word. But this is different from the garden. It says the word became flesh. Jesus didn't just come down for a stroll. He came to take on our form, not to count equality with God something to be grasped. Humility. It wasn't enough for God to keep sending witnesses to the light, for the light. He brought the light to us himself. There are so many implications for Jesus being fully man. He could be cold, could be naked, tired, hungry, thirsty. He had emotion. He had feelings. He could stub his toe. But he was the fullness of God's glory, born into this world as a baby. God arrived as a helpless child. How can you get any more vulnerable than that? Can we wrap our minds around that this morning? The God who literally holds the fabric of the universe together became a helpless child. Why this? Why was this God's plan? To us, that seems foolish. John says the law was given to Moses, grace and truth through Jesus. We were given the law to help us live rightly, this knowledge of good and evil, but we cannot measure up. We couldn't do it because we can't be trusted to choose good from evil. And Emily Poole reminded me of this the other night in GC, um, just about the narrative of scripture. It isn't a grand tale of heroes doing the right thing. It is a tale of people of God's people rejecting him over and over and over again, not striding towards the finish line, but fumbling towards the light. 
the story of God's long suffering of us to get us here to this place, to his son lying in the manger. Jesus was fully man, but he was fully God. The word made flesh. Or better understood, according to John Calvin, is God's will made flesh. God has, does now, and will always want relationship with his creation. So he made a way. Because the baby grew up to live a life of perfect obedience. When given the option to choose good over evil, Jesus chose good every time. But the punishment for our knowledge was death, remember, lest you die. So even having lived a perfect life, Jesus took on the burden of the cross. There he was forsaken, his perfect relationship with the Father torn. He took on the sin of our choices. He took them to the grave. But he did not stay there. He defeated death in our sin and his resurrection in Christ. The word is again seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning, holding all things together, things that were made through him, for him, and by him. Again, all of our wrong paid for. Every bit of Christ's goodness achieved, given to us, grace upon grace, undeserved gift upon undeserved gift. The darkness has not overcome the light. So what is our hope in this Advent season? How can we know God even when we fail to see him? Verse 18, the namesake of this series. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. God is made known in Jesus. Because the word became flesh, we have someone who bore the likeness of God perfectly. God isn't a mystery to us anymore. He is embodied in the man, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Emmaus, this should give us hope. Listen to me, God does not ignore your suffering. He himself has suffered. We have a high priest who sympathizes with us. Not only that, but he has compassion for you. Are you worried about COVID? Jesus heals the sick. More than that, he raised the dead. Has this year been a strain on you? financially or physically. The Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. Jesus has experienced every trial and beyond that with you, yet he sympathizes with you, for you. Are you struggling in your relationships? 
Jesus needed, when he needed his disciples the most in the Garden of Gethsemane, they failed him. They fell asleep on his watch to the point of denying they ever knew him. But he still died for them. He died for you. If you truly believe in what Jesus has accomplished in the gospel, Emmaus, how can we have anything but hope? God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end, but he is also the God of the middle, the God of the in-between. He is with us. He has always been with us. If he is for you, what can stand against? This Advent, we can have hope in what we cannot see because the evidence of God's goodness and love for us in Christ is evident. Our hope is made known in Jesus. This Christmas season, we find the incarnation, the word becoming flesh, beautiful, because it means that God has made himself his desires, his intentions, known. Let us celebrate Advent in a year like this with hope because we can look at Christ, trust that his word is final, and know with confidence that even though we have not seen it, there will be a day where the hurt and the suffering we experience will be wiped away and our longing to know and be known by our creator will be fulfilled when the word made flesh comes to end our suffering once and for all. And we will no longer need to hope because we will be with him again, face to face, as in the garden. God's original intentions for us made possible by Jesus. The darkness forever swallowed up in his light. That is our hope this morning, Emmaus. That is what gets us to the end of 2020. (laughs) He has made him known. Let's pray. Christ, this morning, we are, we want to be in awe of you. You lived a perfect life. You did what we simply could not. And you gave us access to the Father. Jesus, through your work, Jesus, through your humility, as being made flesh and dwelling among us, we have access to you that we can pray in your name, that we can be confident in hope of what we have not yet seen because we can trust that you are good, that you desire relationship with us even when we fail to have relationship with you. God, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us, that you would continue over and over to make yourself known. That as we, as we continue in relationship with you, Jesus, that you would reveal 
all the things of your gospel to us. That we wouldn't look to the things of this world to find our identity in, but that your image, that your likeness, that your desire to know us, that your spirit in us that gives us hope, peace, joy, and love, God, let us pursue that, not the foolish things. Jesus, thank you for your work, your life, death, and resurrection. For it is by that work, by your name, we pray. Amen.